0: Hey, welcome to The Conversation. You're listening to Andy Mason, and this is Authentic Conversations around the messy intersection of faith, family, and business. And we're doing this to really connect, train, activate you and your partnership with God at work and engagement in the well-being of the city that you serve. Uh, This episode is an interview done with... Ken Fish and Grant Pemberton of God is Not a Theory, and they're talking to me around the founder's story of heaven and business. How did I go from New Zealand to the United States of America? Uh, What is heaven and business, and how did that launch? What were the barriers and the challenges that I had to face internally and externally to launch that as a separate fully self-funded entity and now a business? Uh, What was it like working with senior leaders at Bethel Church in Redding, California? And what was the process like to move then from California to Pennsylvania? All that and more, a bunch of testimonies and stories that I know will inspire, encourage you, and equip you in your own journey with God at work. Remember, don't hesitate to reach out, andy at heavenandbusiness.com.
1: Andy, it's great having you on the show. Uh, before we get started, let me just say to you and to anyone who may be listening, um, I, I blew my voice out at a meeting in Washington, D.C. We had this uh, visitation, I guess, uh, presence of God, and we got caught up in the enthusiasm of it, and everybody was kind of <laughs> shouting and carrying on, and I think I overdid my voice. So if it's kind of weak and scratchy, that's what's going on. I'm actually feeling fine. So um, Andy, let's uh, let's get you introduced to all of our friends that that follow this podcast. Um, everybody will immediately notice that you have a funny accent. <laughs> so I was wondering if you uh, might want to tell us how in the world did you get from New Zealand to the United States, and uh, you know what was what was your journey and your progression? Yeah, so
0: it was in a plane. That's probably the short answer. I'm sure you didn't want to hear that, but it wasn't. <laughs> There's nothing supernatural about that, (laughs) Um, but uh, to answer what I believe is the question is, so my wife and I, four children from New Zealand, so Hawke's Bay, which is the East Coast, uh, background is agriculture, uh, business, uh, right from the practical end of shepherding horse and dogs through to business consulting, and then relationship management uh, with uh, one of New Zealand's big agricultural banks and uh, very involved in local church love local church so in between the two in 2008 we were praying about our future and i heard god say leave everything and go to a new
1: country so okay hold on wait 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 you heard god say what does that mean how did he speak to you
0: really good so so if i go back a little bit so very involved in local church worship leading uh, discipleship uh, speaking running finance programs crown financial uh, on the board. So from a business perspective, the traditional engagement in local church, doing missions in and out of Africa, orphan program, leadership development, microfinance, and for children. So I, I kind of look back and think, how did I do all of this? A brilliant, wonderful wife. And uh, I was growing in my role in relationship management with the bank, but had the sense that something's changing, but we didn't know what, like just, like, like just unsettled. So we were praying about like, what is it? is it a, am I going to be in ministry? And we spoke to our senior leader and he said, so we're part of the leadership team and saying, do we expand what we're doing with this microfinance working in developing countries? That was through a nonprofit connected to the church that we set up, accessing government funds to doing what you and I would call missions. So it's a story in itself but my senior leader said look I'm not sure really where you fit and nothing's changing here in 3 years so I'm like okay it's not ministry so I then proceeded to look at is it a promotion within the bank become a regional manager so I actually got that job and no sooner had I started it was like this is not it this this is I don't know what this is so I always <laughs> so just I love this how God's the good shepherd he guides us better than we know and so I was with a buddy uh, in 2008 overseas, and he said, Andy, it's, it's not, what if it's not business, not, not church in the sense that you're thinking, what if it's a geographic move? He says, why don't you just go away and change the question that you're asking? So I wrote this question down in my journal, is our future in this location? Literally wrote it down just like that. Uh, two days later, I was reading a children's Bible story to my son. So he chooses the story. I read it. And anybody with four-year-old son know that it's always something with blood, guts, gore, and adventure. Well, this time <laughs> he opened up this the Bible and I'm just reading. And God spoke to Abraham and said, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to the land that I'll show you. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, is that God? And I write it down. And then think, nah, let's, it's the kids, it's a children's Bible. Ken, does God speak out of a children's Bible story? And then two days later, visiting speaker at church. And I'm sitting with somebody's goofing off with the bass player. Actually, that's what usually happens is the bass player. And we were clowning around and the speaker opened up Joshua one verse two. Now arise you and these people with you and cross over the Jordan, the line of limitations that you've set on yourself into the land of risk and promise. And then, and I was just shocked the second time. And then two days later, my wife, cause this is big deal. She said, uh, she was like, Holy spirit, you know, what's the, what about me? Like, I need to hear you. And instantly has a reference come to mind. So, and inside she just knew. Uh, and it's Jeremiah three fourteen, And that's not a reference that anybody really looks at or knows, but it says this. She sits down, opens up your Bible, and it says, I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will lead you to Zion and set shepherds over you according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. She just begins to weep knowing. We are leaving New Zealand. We have no idea where or when, but we live in New Zealand.
1: You know, I love that story, but I also know how terrifying that can be to be in that way because we tend to lead our lives in an orderly planned fashion. But anyway, it's it's an exciting uh, beginning to the adventure. Now, I did not introduce you... Uh, for what you've most recently been doing. So let me do that here. I I actually intentionally omitted it. I just wanted people to hear kind of the wild and crazy start to this whole thing. But for those who don't know Andy's name, uh, he was most recently the head of the Heaven in Business Initiative uh, at Bethel Church in Redding, California. And not unlike what happened to you. That's right. Your departure from New Zealand, you recently left with blessing Uh, to go on your next adventure with God. That is correct. Yeah. So um, you can tell us about that adventure, but before you do that, uh, why don't you tell us about Heaven and Business and what you did there, the kinds of people you were interacting with and how it all grew and developed?
0: Yeah, really good question. So we effectively heard God say, leave everything, go to a new country. And it was as we then prayed Me, fasting and praying. Like, oh, you like, you said, I was, what on earth are we doing? Do I go to Australia? Why would anyone go to Australia? Like, it can't be Australia. Like, where would we go? And so it was over the next two weeks, you know, wise counsel confirmed by everybody around us. It was Redding, California, sitting underneath Bill Johnson specifically. And I had no idea what America was like other than television, which you don't really want to know New Zealand, uh, no. The, sorry, I had no idea what the United States was like other than from television. And you do not want to know that from television. And uh, so we land in Redding, California, and knowing the only way to actually get in was at school, the School of Ministry. So I, did, I was a student in the school on a, a student visa. And it was shortly starting in that program, which was wonderful Healing cracks in my foundation around identity as a child of God was probably the biggest thing for me personally. But I love this you know, heaven on earth, uh, kingdom of God coming in our cities, and miracle signs and wonders. And my question was, that has to be more than chasing and praying for sick people. What are we doing for the business community? So I was asking questions and connected to the outreach pastor at the time. And he said, well, we're not doing anything. You do something. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm looking to serve. I'm just a humble servant. I come here to serve. And this is the way we think. And he connects me with a local business. And actually they had a prayer club is what they called it because there's legal ways to do this within California that are effectively untouchable. So they had this and we started by just going and serving and encouraging that business. And then we started meeting with other local business people. So I would say people that uh, either in business, they have their own business or they have some leadership role within that business, but they, they have separate worlds. They have my spiritual world, which is maybe vibrant or may not be. And then I have my business world and that's just, I just do the best that I can. And then I clean the money and give it to the church. And then we won't talk about what happens then. And so we're really saying, what does it look like to experience the miraculous in the workplace? Is there a limitation? Where are the lines? Uh, this partnership with God from the bedroom to the boardroom to the battlefield. Everything I read in the Bible, everything I know to be true, and more than that, it's if Jesus came for us to be fully alive. If creation really is good, as what He said, then how do what that means our city's fully alive. That means the economic engine of our city. That means. The business community. So what are we, the collective church, doing to equip, train, activate the business community in partnering with God and walking with God in and through their businesses and seeing kingdom come in that space? And that was really the question and the journey that kind of gradually grew into what we now call heaven and business.
1: Well, it's an important question because you know, anybody who's thinking about the language of the seven mountains or anybody who understands the creation mandate knows that um, there's more to the earth than just the religious sphere, yeah. as important as that is. And so for you to be doing that, I mean, you you had a background that was suitable to it, given your own background. Yes. Uh, so on the one hand, God took you a long way away. And on the other hand, you landed very near to what you had known. Um, how did you grow Heaven and Business? And were there definable stages to it, yeah. or was it just kind of a continuous flow? I mean, you were there doing that for, what, nine years? Yeah, uh, more like 14. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, so so I, I, there, was,
0: there was a bunch of stages, which was fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. The good, the bad, the ugly, the learning. I think probably the biggest thing is, for me, personally growing. And so initially, I thought this was, you know, we were just serving local business people, lighting them up initially. And then, and there was no real structure to it other than let's gather and share stories of what God's doing. And when you hear the stories, it's it's like me listening to this podcast, you're like, oh my gosh, that's possible. It's possible today. How do I find out more? And it leads people into kind of this vision of what's possible and then the validation in my calling, wherever that may be. And so that's how we kind of started and then had this idea. what What if we've got, you know, at, at Bethel School of Ministry at the time, there's a thousand students and 99% of it is focused on ministry training. Uh, what about people are called or have a f- sense of a calling into the workplace? And so we put together a, a class, like an optional class for people that you feel like you've got a calling into the workplace and you want to partner with God or translate this culture into that space. We, we'll put together that for you. So we started doing that, and then uh, we thought, "What would be possible if we if we got some business leaders who tend to be isolated, alone, think they're the only one? You know, is this possible?" And we just kept asking that question and calling it the grand experiment. You know, what's possible with God at work? And uh, we did. It was about two thousand and eleven. We we called it a forum. Uh, we. Pulled together 36 people we invited. They're all leaders of leaders in business. So typically successful business leaders. And we pulled together about, I had a an advisory team around me of business leaders. And so I had uh, two days, Bill Johnson, Chris and Danny Silk doing sessions. And then the business guys were all doing a session. And then I had the intercessors at Bethel come in and facilitate an encounter session, which is mind blowing for a corporate Business person who's never experienced that before. And then the highlight was definitely the children from the school of, from the Bethel, the Bethel Elementary School coming in and prophesying and praying over these business people. By far, they didn't want to hear from other business people. They wanted to hear from Bill Johnson. And the children and this encounter that the intercessors led was by far the best. So those kind of things came together. And then it was over time uh, that it's just step by step. You know, what if we did this? What if we, it's like that entrepreneurial platform and that was underneath Danny silk. So I was working alongside Danny and Danny's not a business guy. So pretty much anything we did, we could go for it. And then when Danny left, I think, you know, the story, I, I, I then was switched across to being under Chris. Now at the time, Heaven and Business was Andy's initiative that he was doing by himself on the side. And I thought this was my grand plan to fund my family so that I could keep working on a church salary, doing these the church leadership development that we were doing. And uh, as I was praying about it, I sensed the Lord say, give it to Bethel. And I'm like, my life's over. It's the end of the world. I'm going to be poor for the rest of my life. It was, I was grumpy. I just thought the stupidest idea ever, but I knew it was God. So I go in there with Chris and Chris is like, what have you been doing with Danny? And I said, this, this, this. And he goes, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. And I, and, he, and I said, this is what I'm supposed to do with you and hand him a blank piece of paper with my name at the bottom. He's like, there's nothing on it. I said, yeah, that's the point. And he goes, okay. I said, we get to write it together. Well, that was probably, ten, wow, eight to 10 years ago now. And he's effectively never, I mean, we talked and so on, but that was what I didn't know is that was the way to his heart. And as a result, just grew me rapidly in trust and the amount of favor and trust and access that I've had to do what we're doing and growing heaven business as a self-funded department within the entity has just been beautiful.
1: I have three questions that came to my mind while you were saying all that, that I'm sure would passing through the minds of, uh, our listeners as well. And then we'll pick up with, okay, now you're partnered with Chris Vallotton. But before we get to that, um, so what was your biggest challenge in getting heaven in business up and running? The
0: biggest challenge was Andy, Andy, that's me. That's believing that I could actually do this, that people would want to do this, um, that it, it was, it was, that was the biggest challenge is, is my own beliefs and barriers and uh, kind of wanting to hide, uh, wanting someone more spiritual to do this than me. And I'm looking around for someone and it's, if you've ever seen the movie Hook and there's a guy on it called Smee Shmi, and Smee's Hook's, Captain Hook's right-hand man. And uh, Captain Hook says, go and get my hook. And it's like, get Smee. And he's running around, where's Smee? Where's Smee? And finally he's like, oh, Smee's me. I think that is the biggest thing. And that's the thing I see probably most often is that we're looking for someone else. We're looking to outsource my authority, my spirituality, someone else tell me what to do. And God's like, hey, buddy, it's you. Would you embrace the call of God on your life and step into it? Because nothing's really going to happen until you do. That would be my biggest hurdle to overcome.
1: So actually that feeds right into my second question. And I didn't, I mean, just for our listeners, I, Andy and I didn't stage this. There's no uh, like, you know, collaboration in advance, but it's interesting you say that was your biggest challenge because the one, my second question for you was, why did you, as a guy who had worked in a bank and who'd been promoted to a regional manager who had interest in, I'll call it agribusiness, um, you know, you, yeah. you were yeah. thriving in New Zealand, you had this background. Mm-hmm. What was it that made you, <clears throat> when you uh, volunteered to to serve in Reading? What was it that made you say, "I just want to serve. I just want to serve. I just want to serve"? And they kept saying, "Well, you need to start this initiative for business people, and you need to be you need to be leading this." What was it that caused your mentality to shift from that of a leader, somebody who takes initiative, somebody who guides and directs others? Um, to somebody who was willing to step back and be more, I don't know what I wanna say, um, passive or play second fiddle yeah. or yeah. you know, whatever. That, it, On the one hand, I, I think I know some of the reasons behind it, but if you think of things the way most people do, um, some would say that would have been a huge step backward. Why would you take such a demotion, yeah. at least in role, even though you're in, you're in quote unquote, a completely different industry? Yeah, really good question, and I'm sure this will be a
0: lot more that we could talk about, Uh, but I think the core of it, believing lies. Uh, Believing lies that uh, it's how low can I go? It's all about serving, that when you get saved, you bring your gift and you lay it at the feet of the apostles and the prophets and you wait to be told what to do. Not recognizing that uh, stay in the calling in which you're called and I mean, fast forward to today, like I'm still getting a revelation of this. And I am I gr- grateful for that because I'm not just st- running with it. it. It's coming out of a, a re- personal revelation. I can get to walk through others. But more recently, it was in the book of Titus is I have sent you to set in order what is lacking and appoint leaders in every place. And that's Titus five. Mm-hmm. And then I sensed the Lord say, go back and, and look at, All of those books of Paul, and it's the first few verses, I, Paul, called by God, uh, not appointed by man, again and again and again and again and again. And there is something about us wanting and waiting for the validation of man or the calling of man or the appointing of man, not recognizing it is God who calls us. And that we have still got this clergy and laity and we're looking for them. I'm looking for, will you be my, will you be, be my father? Ken, will you be my father? Will you be my priest? And God's saying, I want to walk with you and not to outsource that to someone else. So I'd say it's religious intimidation. It's believing lies. Um, it's avoiding responsibility. It could be being lazy. It, it, there's a whole heap of things and and that. We have separated. We've still got lines between what the church is and what secular is and what spiritual is.
1: So when you you throw those things out, like intimidation, believing lies, and so forth, these sound to me like very personal issues. This is my problem. This is internal to my world. Um, I need to sort me out. Do you think there is also in the wider <clears throat> in the wider church do you think there is perhaps a culture Absolutely. that institutionally organizationally is fostering something where people are i, I don't know quite how to say it because i don't want to say they're being held back i guess in some cases they could be but that's not really where i want to go with this question yeah. or do you think they're somehow um they're not encouraged to exert leadership. They're not encouraged to step forward. And that's pretty much exactly what you were being encouraged to do yep. as you were starting this up. And in a sense, then you were being, how do I want to say this? You were being forced into an entrepreneurial role. Correct. And just want to really state clearly,
0: this is something. So it wasn't, it wasn't Bill Johnson or Chris Valentin holding me back. I mean, Bill right. Johnson has said publicly, Andy, I've dreamed of doing this for years. I haven't known how to do it. You're doing it. Yeah. So it was it was something in me that I'd believed and grown up in a church culture that had believed it. and and I know you know this and you see it but it's the uh, come to me and I will I will teach you everything you need to know. And it's like no, the job of the pastors, prophets and apostles is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, not to be the middleman but to be the the guide the shepherd under the under under the good shepherd and then it's the and i believe ken you better unpack this even more is that jesus saying i hate i hate the nicolaitans who were separating the clergy and the laity and it's like no we are all the body of christ and one of the things that kind of triggered this more for me was someone messaging me and saying hey andy so um, I understand that there's apostles and prophets and teachers in the church, but I've got these words uh, that I'm like, I, I'm apostolic, in, but I'm in the business realm. So they're like apostles in the business realm and then apostles in the church. And something rose up in me and I said, it's the wrong question. The true question is, what is the church? And we have reduced the church to an institution or event rather than recognizing that it's the ecclesia, it's the called out ones that's in all of society. So it's the, what is the church? We've turned it into my church and your church and Grant's church and Ken's church. It's like, no, it's the church. Uh, And when we break that down and equip and activate, and I would say empty the church, empty the institution back into all of society, which is not emptying the building. It's actually activating the sleeping sheep that are sitting on a bunch of pews, activating them in what they are called to do, that you are called to do this. You are called to carry the presence and power of God everywhere you are, whether you're the mother at home changing diapers or the dad, uh, whether you are the janitor or the CEO or the prison warden or the general surgeon or the lawyer. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, when we get that revelation that I am a child of God, I'm called to represent him everywhere I am. And that same anointing on Jesus that raised him from the dead is on me. The same anointing of my favorite speaker or minister in the pulpit is on me. I carry a, a, a unique calling and identity and I serve God wherever I am. When we get that, it's like the world gets lit up.
1: Yeah. You know, as you were saying all of that, I was reminded also of the verse uh, where Jesus says uh, the kings of the earth uh, exercise their authority and their high officials, their lieutenants, uh, to whom that authority is delegated. They in turn exercise that that authority over the subjects, and you can't run the kingdom of heaven that way for whoever would be great among you must well serve the others. But I think we might say here, equip the others, would empower the others. And in doing that, you will build my kingdom, but you will also make sure that people who otherwise might not have stepped into that which God called them to do and be, will be able to step into that which God called them to do and to be. So you were kind of lucky, actually, that in your church in New Zealand, uh, your leadership had said yep we agree it's time for you to get going and so we love you but get out of here um, yep and right. off you go to Reading. and you were also lucky to land in Reading, where there is kind of a I don't know what to call it a spiritually entrepreneurial culture absolutely and so you know this was fostered further in you over a decade and a half as you took on HIV having yeah. in
0: business and I think I'll add another one and I guess it's this progressive you know, unraveling the institutional lies that we believe that we grow up with, we don't even know. And another one is them that we, and actually, media would present a message around business that business is dirty, money is filthy, and you should give it to either the government or the church, and they're going to clean it up and do something good with it, which is absolute lies. And so understanding that business is noble, it's, it's pure, it, money is a certificate of value. It's simply the vehicle by which I add value to others. And it, I love the story in the book of Acts with the first Gentile that receives the Holy Spirit. So I would have thought that the first Gentile to receive the Holy Spirit, we, someone would be noble and righteous and clean and maybe a teacher, and maybe a, but it's actually a professional soldier. A professional killer. Not only that, but he's a, a professional killer occupying Israel. So over the Jews. So it's like the most offensive person on the planet. The Holy Spirit's like, go and and I love it how he did it is to Peter, the vision, don't call unclean what I've called clean right. three times. As in, and for, for me, it's do not exclude yourself. Do not exclude, do not call what you're doing unclean or less than uh, seek first the kingdom because there's no second. And it, it's taken me a, a while to get it, but now I get to walk with people and then activate them the same.
1: Yeah, that's really powerful. It's very powerful. And back on the thing of you know money and business is not unclean. I mean i I know when I went into business, there are a lot of people who thought I was somehow, selling out in doing so i felt strongly led to go do that even though i wasn't seeking in any way to compromise you know the work of the lord or to walk away from jesus or anything um but you know there is this other verse you didn't cite it so i'm going to but it comes out of deuteronomy it is he who gives you the power to get wealth yeah correct. and it, it even says you know the lord is giving you a good and fertile land now go and use it in other words be productive and every every tribe was given an allotment and every man and well woman every family was given an allotment so really we see in the earliest days of israel i would say an entrepreneurial capitalist culture rather than something where the government takes it all or the church takes it all yeah and when we look at that we see that um, in fact, the, the multiplication and increase and money is a measurement of it, but there's many other dimensions that go right alongside of it. It's your family, it's your legacy. it's whatever you become expert at. If you're a craftsman, you become the best whatever metal worker or leather worker. If you're a computer programmer in today's society, you become expert at that. If you're, if you're a scientist, you do that, but uh, you know this is really the kind of initiative and creativity that, that we need to be fostering more. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, all right, I had said I had three questions. So my third one is uh, you come out of a world that's both small and larger business because you had the bank on the one side and your own family enterprise on the other. As you started launching Heaven in Business, did you have any differential experiences as you moved among, say, small business type entrepreneurs with maybe a few employees, maybe they were sole proprietors, so maybe it was just one employee, uh, particularly in Reading, which is not a town with a lot of big business in it. Yeah. Um, versus when you started dealing with people who were, you know captains of industry. Now be, just so our listeners know before the podcast began, uh, we were talking offline about this gathering of uh, people that Andy's working with that includes some very senior leaders of very large, well-known enterprises in yeah. the United States. So how do you, how do, what are the similarities and differences between those two groups? How do you bridge that? And how do you minister to people in both settings?
0: Uh, really good.
1: I mean, and I would
0: call it, it I think, I think I'm continuing to grow in this. That would probably be the first thing I'd say is uh, I, we had a business show up. The the executive assistant for this company came through the school of ministry, took the book I wrote, God with your work, gave it to her boss. And the next thing, the boss and his team flew into Reading in their 747 and landed not to meet with me, but to meet with the executive assistant because the executive assistant had such an impact on that executive team. Like they noticed the difference in her. So they said, what is it about you? They came, I got to meet them. And then they invited me to an executive retreat of theirs. And it just happened to be global. And I mean, that would blew my mind. And so your question was, is there any difference? So what I saw happen is four executives, global company, Uh, Three of them saved, one unsaved. By the third day, the unsaved guy is washing the feet and blessing the others. It Mm. was surreal. It was unbelievable what I saw happen right before us as we prophesied, prayed, shrewd God. I mean, I think that's the secret for me is just follow the voice of God. Matthew 4, 4, don't live by the business plan alone, by the strategy alone, by the bank balance alone, but live by what you're hearing God say. So what did they need? they needed to hear the voice of God and be encouraged in that. And then we talk through business strategy, which is my gifting as a business consultant through to the small scale businesses. They tend to be so consumed and overwhelmed with the day to day that they don't stop to get their head out of the sand and realize, Oh, God's with me in this. It's actually the same need. Uh, it just tends to be the smaller Scale will say, "Oh, when I get bigger, then I'll start to pay attention." So they tend to be just focused on survival, and then once they're up and running, then they start to lift their heads and look around. Which is why the majority of our clients and customers are probably age thirty-five to forty-four and above, because they've been at the game. They now actually realized, "Oh, I'm a Christian business person. I've been working hard, and and I've got results." But where's where's the evidence? Of more than this, like there's got to be more than just working hard and growing and being favor and feeding my family. Like anybody could do this. Where's where's the evidence of a supernatural God with me at work?
2: Huh.
1: Interesting. So people, would it be fair to say that are in uh, the workplace sometimes feel as though they're detached from God and they're lonely for God? Absolutely. Or They're completely
0: ignorant of it. Ignorant of any possibility of connection with God in my workplace. It's my, I do my quiet time. I punch my card on Sunday and uh, swipe my card or text to give on Sunday. I do my, I've done my Christian thing, but this is work. And this is my ability and what I do. It's back in the garden. It's I will. And the difference that I see is when people stop, slow down, and it's either, I've been exposed to enough vision or I've got enough pain. Now I'm like, where's God in this? And how do I do that? And that light bulb is phenomenal. So a CEO turns up, it's a, he runs a global, a national. So in the States, a national, uh, they, they buy shopping malls and then they rent them out. And so they're not the number one, but they're like number two or number three. And, but he's got his business and then he loves Jesus, love both I love Jesus and I love business, but they're separate worlds comes to a heaven of business conference in Reading has this revelation that they're not supposed to be separate worlds. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so they had been trying to buy the Shasta mall in Reading, California for four years and hadn't been able to buy it. Hadn't been able to buy it. Hadn't been able to buy it, but he has this light bulb moment. He's like, oh, I'm allowed to, I'm allowed engaged with God, isn't that like, I'm a just, it's like, a, it's like we got brain damage. Like who told you that you se- separate that. So he goes into the mall, starts making a declaration, invites the presence of God, has a dream about it. Nine months later, they buy the mall, which is the largest retail purchase in the history of our County starts to invest millions of dollars into it, but that's not all. He then starts to walk across the business that they own in the States and just inviting the presence of God. Father, I just welcome you into this place that you do more. And he saw the growth of that company add momentum like that he could not. Dis- so he's good at what he does, but the results that he's got he recognizes now that this is way better than I could do. And the bonuses that he's getting is just ridiculous. And not only that, but then what happened in Reading the mall in Reading, there was a particular organic food outlet that they wanted to bring in there. And the guys are on the plane, they're flying in, CEO and his executive team. And the executive team turned to the CEO and saying, So what are we doing at Reading? Like what good could come out of this place? And the CEO <laughs> says, Well, the numbers look well, they tell they tell the CEO, the numbers look good. So but if you don't want to go, we don't have to go here. He goes, no, no, let's have a look. So they walk through the mall and then they walk into the area where they're going to put that business. And then they stand on the outside with my friend who'd had this revelation, God with me at work. And he goes, you know what? This it just feels really good. This just feels really good. Let's do it. <laughs> So what I've learned is the language of the spirit in the business realm is, it just feels good. Like, but it's not like, it's like, how do you you explain that where people are walking into a a board meeting with a 400 year old (laughs) bank in Germany and people just start laughing? And why are you laughing? I don't know. It's just when you walked in the room, it just, it felt good. It's like we carry more of the presence of God than we know. And when we start to do that intentionally and cultivate that connection with him and cultivate ability to hear his voice, it's remarkable what starts to happen.
1: Amazing. What a story.
2: Wow. And I can just add. Well, from, from someone who, you know, it's interesting how much, we can separate business and Christianity. I mean, I'm a pastor and I forget to pray about my business decisions or, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll get worried, I'll get in the weeds. And it's just, it's a very common, it's a common thing. And, you know, we do it in all scopes of life, you know, but it's there's something particular about about business. And Ken, I know we've talked about uh, this, and I, I was thinking about uh, this quote from N.T. Wright about how, how Gnostic we are and how we yeah, separate that's it. the spiritual and the organic yeah. and really how organic Christianity is, you know? And I think so much of us just have that predisposition to separate this ethereal spiritual space versus what I'm actually doing on a day-to-day thing. And so the collision of those things, man, is so powerful, but it's, it's so fundamental. Yeah. And, I mean, it's even like, it's hilarious because even at Bethel,
0: even, uh, Ken, I'm, I may have told you this, even in that space, I've been told, oh, heaven and business, oh, that's just weird. Now, <laughs> that's not by anybody. That's by leaders. I'm like, hang on a moment. <laughs> on. So we, we can have supernatural ministry where it's fine to roll around on the floor, and, but we can't translate that into business and go into the New York Stock Exchange and heal the sick and raise the, raise the everything, change atmospheres. It's just like we don't even realize the dumb things that we say and how much we have unknowingly or ignorantly dumbed down everything we do outside of a church Christian event where it's socially acceptable.
1: Well, you know, it's more than just healing people on the New York Stock Exchange. I mean, that's a thing. And, and, you know, in my own world, when I was in business, I did some of that, except I wasn't at the New York Stock Exchange, but similar concept. But I think it's also bringing God's solutions to absolutely that's the biggest situations thing. because I, I can specifically remember one boss saying to me in my annual review, he goes, "I don't know where you come up with the stuff you come yeah. up with, but we get into these situations, you know." And this was in big business, you know, some of these transactions were at least hundreds of millions of dollars, and often in the billions. And he would say. And it just wasn't obvious what to do. And you would recommend something. And he said, you always had some new perspective and nothing you said ever went wrong. Yeah. He said, and you've won the confidence of all the senior management now. And so when we get jammed up, they say, what does Ken say about this?
0: Yeah, what would, would you you know what it was? I would pray and ask God to
1: show me. And sometimes I didn't, I can't even say I had a vision or an angel came or I had a dream. It was just, I would pray and the Lord would, I guess, clarify my thinking. Um, Cause I don't actually think I'm that good. I mean, I'd like to think I am, but I, I don't think I am, you know, you, you, you walk into a lot of these rooms and you go, I'm definitely not the smartest guy in the room here. I'm just doing my best to keep up. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And
0: I think, and I think that's where we're finding you now teaching business people to hear the voice of God. I don't do that. My wife does. Um, Cause she's spiritual or it's the other way around. Or And my pastor does, but yeah, I don't hear the voice of God, I just do business. It's like, oh, are you a follower of Jesus? Yes. All my sheep hear my voice, period. So stop it and stop discounting God and actually stop thinking that you're as good as you are because actually it's the grace of God that enables you to do this. And so then when we teach them to hear the voice of God, they're like, oh my gosh, that's God. And then away it goes. And you know, here's another example. Business should have gone bankrupt in March. Uh, bankruptcy in their background, can't fund it, supposed to grow. They should have gone bankrupt, like seriously. But literally week by week, Holy Spirit would give ideas of simple things of what to do, who to approach, how to ask. that company just invoiced $250,000 a week, a week. And I'm just looking, shaking my head. But by the grace of God, but then, but the beauty is, we know we know where that coin came from. And it's that's beautiful. And I think the moment that we start to take take the, the reward, I think it was us, it's like a slippery slip.
1: Right, exactly. All right. So I want to ask a couple more things and then we'll we'll conclude here. Uh we left off with you're now working for with Chris Valatin or underneath him. Um, you know, people always want to know. Uh, what kind of insights can you gain beyond what people share from the pulpit? What did you learn uh, working with Chris? And you know how did he help you further in empowering you to bring you into the, the thing that you built here?
0: Yeah, brilliant. I mean, that's a long conversation. So uh, I lo- love about Chris. Chris is a lead from the front and I was with Danny Silk. Danny's a lead from the back, opposite leadership styles. The thing that's phenomenal about Chris is humility. Like he will get out there and do something and then realize it's wrong. And he'd be the first one to say, I was wrong. doesn't matter where he is, who he's with. That's profound. So learn that. The other thing is I'm, I grew up avoiding confrontation. So I realized I needed to learn that. And Chris is someone that will just tell you straight, like <laughs> he's just, no filters. He'll just say it and then clean it up afterwards. <laughs> so I said, Chris, I need to learn. Uh, I need to learn or grow in confrontation. Who who could I learn that from? Who would you suggest? He goes, that would be me. And I'm like, oh. So I end up having confrontation with Chris. I don't think it was intentional, but that's the way it worked out, where I would completely disagree with him and had to walk through that in a positional leadership structure that when Chris says, Andy, I read your email, I agree with every point. I was wrong. I'm sorry. You're a father in this house. You carry the culture more than anyone I know. And if there's anything I do that has undermined that, I apologize. So that was a like learning that from Chris and his leadership style has been a big thing for me.
1: That's just one. Yeah, that, that's a huge one. Um, I can suppose that helped you with all of that insecurity stuff that you were feeling on the front end to get that but you had to go through a process before you got that. Yeah.
0: And the and beauty that- is, I think that's where I've started to learn the process is beauty. It's like being okay in the process because that's what forge, rather than like you click your fingers and shabba, shubba. I love that. <laughs> Cast the demon out. Yeah. But there's something that happens when we actually forge our relationship with God and we grow and we grow in stature and favor with God and with man. And I'm so grateful for that as well.
1: Yeah. Amen. Wow. Love that. Okay. So you leave Bethel with blessing and you only did that earlier this year. You moved to the East coast, um, and you get your kid, well, one of them anyway, uh, settled in an Ivy league school. So, you That's know, right. you've, you've raised them to be high performers, high achievers. Uh, what prompted you to leave Reading and, uh, what do you think is going to happen with heaven in business as you are no longer under the you know the umbrella of Bethel.
0: Yeah, so that's that's a story in itself as well,
1: and it, literally we never thought we'd leave Reading.
0: Uh, great relationship, favour, influence there, established community from the community to the church and so on, and then we, to our daughter comes out of a service once and says, "I think our season has finished," and it triggered this journey of going back. Oh my gosh, is this the Lord? What are you saying? And then I I go. <laughs> And I hear the Lord saying, go back and read your prophetic word from 12 months ago. And I go back and it talks about heaven and business, having a red pen on the East Coast, a key to unlocking the cities of Boston, Philadelphia, and New York. And suddenly, uh, I mean, it's this whole story. And it was profound. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to talk to Chris. So I pick up the phone, call Chris. Hey, I sense the Lord calling. We're going to expand to the East Coast. And we need to talk about how we're going to work this with Bethel and Bethel. You know, if we live there and carry on doing what we're doing. And Chris says this, Andy, you built Heaven and Business. I had very little to do with it. I can't see why Beth would hold on to it. You take it with you. <laughs> and you've been around churches long enough to know that that, that is Jesus. <laughs> and so literally we have taken heaven and business from being under a non-profit model and we've turned it into a for-profit entity. And it's we have there's there's effectively so a million business people that partner with god at work and engage in the well-being of the city they serve two objectives one teach train minister to the crowd so that's that's a lot of what we do there's a podcast there's a membership community and then we focus on the few who influence the many which is discipleship and so that's coaching advising mastermind groups and then in between there's a whole heap of events and adventure retreats that make Ken jealous and it's just I'm like I get to do this Ken and thank you Jesus for business
1: yeah for, for our listeners Andy is always sending me these pictures of being on top of a mountain somewhere or having just caught some giant fish in some river and uh, he's got you know a handful of guys or sometimes it's sometimes it's a mixed crowd but anyway uh, men and women around him and they're doing the same thing and i'll just write back i hate you <laughs> and he's like i do this for work <laughs> yeah but that's onto the you kingdom do, can events and conferences and yeah. you do coaching and everything that's just one dimension of it where i think what you're really engaged in there is is the relational building that needs to happen for all the other to work too correct yeah um, so, okay, so you're just going to continue expanding this, but you're now, but I mean, this sort of thing isn't really specific to the East coast that you're going to continue doing this all over the country, right?
0: Correct. So we just got back from Indianapolis. We're going to be in Lago next Lago, Florida next month. We're then back in Redding doing an example. You're not doing
1: between... bone fishing. Are you white fishing bone fishing? I'm not sure what bone fishing is. That's a particular kind of fish in Florida. They, they catch them in clear, shallow water. And it's kind of like the sport of kings type thing. Oh, I've never. Well, obviously, um, you're doing some things that I don't know about, Ken. I so. think I need to come on that specific one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This- I'll,
2: I'll come with the bone fishing too. <laughs>
1: fly
0: fishing. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, very much so you- still growing.
1: Yeah. So you're still growing, you're still holding events. Who, If people are listening to this and they want to get in touch with you, whether for business coaching, for their businesses, whether to get involved in Heaven in Business, where do they go? How do they find you?
0: Heaveninbusiness.com. They'll find everything there. There's a weekly podcast, How to Navigate the Messy Intersection of Faith, Family, and Business. So there's a bunch of stuff. There's social media where there's teaching clips that people can watch and and read the testimonies. I mean, that's what I love the most, of the stories of God at work, not just here in the States, but all over the world, which is really, really fun. If you don't believe me, just believe the works.
1: I went on one of Andy's retreats about around a year ago, maybe a little more now, but, but anyway, it was last year. And it was fantastic. And uh, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get to the next one. Usually the reason I don't is I'm too busy when he invites me because I've already got another commitment. But um, it was it was fantastic. And I was one of your speakers uh, at your last conference. That's right. We we're you. still under Bethel. And I said at the end of it, it was such a great conference. I would have paid to come even if I weren't a speaker. So that's my endorsement <laughs> for all of our listeners.
0: Thank you, Ken. <laughs>
1: So anyway, um, Andy, thanks for being on the show with us. I'm super excited about this new season in life for you. Thank you. It's onward and upward, and I'll look forward to connecting with you, I suppose, on the East Coast when I'm traveling out there.
2: Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, Grant. Thanks, Ken. Hey, thank, thanks, Andy. I was wondering before we go, would you be uh, willing to pray over their listeners oh, and especially oh, those that are uh, probably, I just get the sensing there's a lot of like potential entrepreneurs that are listening uh, into this one. And so- yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Father, I just thank you. Thank you that we get to do this. I thank you that you have called us, that you've chosen each one of us, that we are unique and called by you that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, that if you did not withhold your own son, will you not freely give us all things? Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you teach, that you guide, that you train, that you are Jesus. You're the good shepherd that guides us into all truth. So we just say, thank you. So for every listener right now, I just bless you to prosper. I bless you with a spirit of God flooding you right now that you would feel his pleasure. I bless you to hear and sense his voice more than you realize uh, that the that the shackles that you've walked in, they just get smashed off where you've been driving with one foot on the brake and one foot on the accelerator. You just go for it, knowing that God is with you more than you realize. And I bless you to find uh, the, the wise counsel, the word of God that sharpens you, shapes you and guides you. And more than anything, Holy Spirit, that you just flood every person right now that they know, that they know, that they know, that you're with them, that you're leading, that you're guiding, and truly their future is so good.